0: And I remember sitting down in my hallway and just crying to the point where I felt like I couldn't even breathe because I guess maybe I'm weak, but I just didn't know how to handle it. And I did it, and I felt like I in a way was just useless. Um and I know people are probably like, wow, Talia, that's a lot, but when you when you live your life with so many expectations. And when you're not able to fill those expectations, sorry, it just kind of gets you.
1: Welcome to the Flowers for Algernon podcast. This episode tells the stories of three Black women physicians and their experiences with pregnancy and loss. Thank you for listening. Good. My name is Dr. Theo Uzamare, and this is the Flowers for Aljannah podcast. Where we not only give healthcare professionals their flowers, but we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of medicine. Let's get to it. Um, Tell me who we have with us today.
2: Hey. (laughs) Hey, Good. Um, I'm Yasmin Uzamore. My family's background—they came from Jamaica, migrated to America, California first, and then. Took me and my siblings over to Florida, so that's where I grew up. Okay. Went to college in DC. Shout out to Howard University. Oh,
1: well, Morehouse. Eh. You know? All right, cool. I'll let you have it, you know. All
2: right. Med school in Nashville. That's where I met my husband, Dr. Uzamray. Oh, me. If you guys didn't know me. <laughs> and then did residency here in Houston. Um, I am a family medicine attending now. Finally saw the light at the end of the tunnel, making that money for our family.
1: Uh I'll give you that. And in August
2: 2021, we had a beautiful baby girl together. Her name's Luca.
1: Luca, man. um, Yeah, Luca is our world right now, right? So much of what we do kind of. Is surrounded around Luca. There's a stark difference between when we didn't have a baby, as to when we have a For baby sure. now. It's funny. I was just watching a video this morning about this woman who says she was like 55, and she says she chooses not to have kids and all the amazing things about not having kids. And I was like, man, you're right. <laughs> but but now nah, Luca is amazing. Uh, so yeah, tell us a little bit about um, you know the story leading up to Luca.
2: Yeah, so we got married, Um, as you know, you were there, (laughs) December um, 31st, 2018. Um, And I started residency that following June. So we decided, okay, we're gonna get to know each other better, um, live together, and then after that, we'll think about babies. So we waited and um, about a year and a half or two years in, we were like, okay, seems like now's a good time to start to build our family. So we got to it. What was surprising was that um, we got pregnant pretty immediately. I thought there was gonna be like some sort of wait or, you know, just a whole process to get there, but it happened quickly and it happened easily. So that was like a good sign for us. We were like, okay, this is great. We're gonna do exactly what we wanted to do. Um, We found out pretty early that we were pregnant. you were big on tracking my cycles. You were probably better at it than I was. Um, so we knew pretty early on, about three weeks in that we were pregnant and we were really excited. It was really um, exciting, especially to see you um, checking on me every day, like touching my little belly. That was, I guess that was just my belly cause the baby at that point was like the size of a mustard seed. So there was nothing you were really touching, but it was exciting to see you in that role. Um, and we just, we're going about, going about the pregnancy, just like how you know you would think you would go about it. Mm-hmm. I was super excited, started a baby registry, looking at baby names. Um, my mom and my sister knew, and then your mom and your sisters knew, so I was able to tell the people closest to me. Um, and that was a really exciting time for us. Um, but then there was one day, um, so you know, we were there. We had a miscarriage. Um, I remember the date. It was actually your sister's birthday. So it was a Wednesday. It was um, in September. Um, I actually got this ring to like commemorate that without trying to be like super weird about it, but it was a loss. Um,
1: Tell me about that day. Like what actually happened.
2: So I was at home. You were at work. I was just studying. I had like the morning off to study and then I had clinic in that afternoon. Um, I was sitting in the bed and I was just like, something just didn't feel right. Like I've never been pregnant before. Um, I don't know what it's supposed to feel like, but today just doesn't, it didn't feel right. But I was like, oh, well, I don't know, having cramps, like having belly pains is probably normal in pregnancy. So just go about the day, studied, went to work. Um, when I got to work, I was having some pretty intense pain. Um, and I was like, okay, so cramps, they say, they say cramps are normal during early pregnancy, so it's it's probably fine. Um, it was so bad that um, I remember a patient of mine, she was like, are you okay? You're like kind of bent over in pain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm having a lot of stomach pain and full disclosure, I didn't know this woman. Like this is my first time meeting her. I'm like, I'm like three, I'm like four or five weeks pregnant um, and I'm just having a lot of pain. And she she prayed with me in the room, um, even though this visit was about her. Yeah. She was just like, everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna turn out how it's supposed to be. And congratulations because, um, you know, I have been trying for years to get pregnant. so. Yeah. Congratulations to you and everything's gonna be okay. Um, so I felt better. Um, I went to the bathroom. Um, I went like looking for blood because like, as a doctor, you know what the signs are of losing a baby, having a miscarriage, and I didn't see that. So I was like, okay, this woman just prayed with me. She reassured me, um, there's no blood here, I'm fine. Yeah. <clears throat> so I left work that day, still in a lot of pain, but I was like, oh, it's okay. It's probably just normal twinges of pregnancy. So I drove home, still in pain. Um, I parked in our parking garage and I got out of the car and I just felt this gush, this big gush, and I was like, everything's not okay. Um, I walked that long walk from the hallway, um, from the garage to our apartment, I opened the door. You um, we were so happy, you we were so excited to see me. You were like, hey, how's your day? How's the baby? And um, I just stood there and I was like, I, I think we just lost our baby.
1: I remember you did i don't even think you shed a tear like i think you were like very stoic and i was kind of frantic and just like kind of just hopeful but still kind of frantic and i just remember you going to the bathroom um and just like sitting on the toilet and me like sitting on the floor um outside the bathroom and it was just uh, i don't know it, it was there was this like courage almost that like I just saw on your face because you were just staring, like you weren't crying. You were just trying to be, it's almost like you were trying to be strong for me as I was kind of running around, just like trying to reassure us that things would be okay, you know?
2: Yeah, you were You were pretty hopeful. You were like, oh, bleeding happens, bleeding is okay. Let's just yeah. go get it checked out. But I was pretty convinced that what I saw was like our baby,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, we had a plan. It's interesting. Uh, I think we can be spontaneous people, but when it came to that, we had a plan for when we wanted to have a child. And like you said, um, things were kind of going according to plan. So how did how did, how did did that make you feel? Like, how did that shake things up for you having a plan? How are you feeling today? A little
0: nervous. A little nervous, a
1: little nervous. A little nervous. So I think you know why I brought you here today. All right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself.
0: Okay, well, um, my name is Tolu, and I am currently a fellow, pain management fellow. Uh, a little bit about me, though. I was born in Nigeria. Shout out to the immigrants. Hello. Hey. Um, came to America when I was four years old. Um, me and my family won the lottery, the visa lottery, Lottery. so all of us moved together. And then we lived in several different states, Pennsylvania, New York, Georgia. I we went to the University of Georgia, go Dogs! back-to-back championships. I said Bennett, I'm sorry about your DUI. It's okay. It happens. Um... (laughs) But besides that, then I went to North Carolina for medical school and then came to Texas for my residency and stayed in Texas for my fellowship. Um, I did my residency in anesthesia and my fellowship in pain management. So that's a little bit about me. Oh, yeah. I'm married. (laughs) Uh, I met him when I was in Georgia um, and we couples mashed together as well. And now we have a beautiful family. Okay,
1: okay. Let's talk about that beautiful family. So you just had a set of twins, right?
0: I did. I had twins almost a year ago. I know. (laughs) Um, It was amazing. It was life-changing. And it's an experience I will never take for granted. Um, One thing I love to say, or one thing that reminds me of them is every day when I was pregnant, I would drive to work and listen to the song um, Million Little Miracles um, because it reminded me of them so much because they are my miracle babies and I'm just so grateful to have them. I'm mean, i having goosebumps just thinking about it right
1: now. That's great. That's that's wild. Does it okay. feel like it's been a year? Um,
0: My lack of sleep tells me it has been a year, <laughs> um, but... It doesn't. It's like the days are long, but the years are short. And I'm, I think I guess also the fact that I haven't lost my baby weight also tells me it's just, it's just it's not, I don't understand where to put that. It helps somebody help me. But yeah, it's been great. I
1: right, no comment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, nice. Good job, we. Good job, Yasmin. Taught him well, baby.
1: <laughs> so tell tell us a little bit about your story leading up to having those twins.
0: Okay. Um, So we were married in 2018. And so my husband and I, because we were long distance for the past four years before then, because he was in um, Georgia and I was in North Carolina. So we're all long distance. We wanted to kind of take our time before we started a family. So I always say that we had an intentional wait and then we had a God-given wait. Um, Our intentional wait lasted until like, I think, 2020. We were like, okay, sure. Let's consider like starting a family. And... I guess the medical personnel in me was like, all right, this can't be that hard. You know, like I'm a woman. I ovulate around day 14, if I'm minus three, plus three. I think if I do the do around that time, I should have some babies. Um, And then that's what we just kept on doing and it just wasn't working. And, you know, I'm laughing now, but I can't tell you how much, Money I spent on pregnancy tests and how heartbreaking it was, how each and every single time it was negative. Um, You start to monitor your cycle almost like, what's the word? You know, English is not my first language. in a manic type of way, you know? It's like the apps tell you go on, use try these days and like, by this time you have these symptoms. I think it came to a point where I thought I was creating symptoms in my head of like, maybe I'm pregnant, but I never really was. And I'm really, I just never was. And as a woman, you start to think, is my body just not right? I don't know. Um, I thought my body turned itself against me, you know? And I guess I hadn't had any real health problems in my life. So I was like, I don't understand what's going on. So for me, who's always been the doctor, I felt like, I guess in this case, I'm not the patient. Um, And that in itself was really scary too. And I remember, (laughs) I remember during that time, there was a moment where I really thought, that it was, you know, this was my month. And mind you, my sisters and my sister-in-law, they were kind of like walking with me through the whole entire journey. And my sister called me and I just took a test and it was negative. And I was crying so hard. And I don't know if you know my sister, but she's not the lovey-dovey type. (laughs) Um, But she just like came straight from work and came to my house and like embraced me because, I think I was like on month nine and I was just like, something has got to give, you know? Somewhere it has to get better and it wasn't really getting better. So, you know, I, I was like, let me just go to the doctor and see what was going on. And we went to the doctor and, well, not we, I did, um, because I'm very like, what's going on? Um, She did the ultrasounds. Everything looked fine. And I was like, you're not really helping me because if everything looks fine. then how come everything isn't working out? And then um, we did another study where they, it was like a histosalpingogram, I think, a radiologist. I'm sorry if I butchered that. My apologies. Um, The HSG test. And fortunately enough, actually, my mom took the HSG test when she was trying to have babies because she had a long time period of waiting before she had my sister and my sister herself she had a period of waiting definitely not how long I waited but she also did too so my mom told me like after I had my HSG my tubes were open and then you could have a baby so I was like of course be my chance. So I did my HSG test. And basically what that is, they inject dye into your uterus and through your fallopian tubes to make sure like everything is like clear and patent and everything like that. And I remember going up to it, my mom was with me and she was like, Tolu, don't worry. After they do this, everything will be fine. And I was like, I was like really jittery inside because I was like, obvious this has to work, right? So um I'm lying on the table about to have the exam done. And then the machine shuts off. And I'm sitting there on my back, like on my back in this hospital gown. And this apparatus is like trying to obviously take pictures of my uterus and my fallopian tubes. And it breaks down. And I just sat there and I was just like, God must really hate me. God must really just not want things to work out and even the tech was like wow this never happens I was like of course it never happens but it happens to me right um luckily they were able to kind of restart the whole uh, machine and the x-ray machine and they got the images and the radiologist comes to me and she's like everything looks great and I think sometimes when you're sick or not sick, but when things aren't going your way, you want to find an answer. And again, everything looks great, Tolu. You have nothing to worry about. So the next month, I, you know, we tried again and nothing. Um And I think that was also the time where I was taking my in-training exam and I just failed that miserably. And it was in that moment where I really felt like God has stripped me of everything I thought I was because not only could I not do my womanly duty and become a mother, I also couldn't do my duty as a physician because I was failing. And I had never failed before at anything. And I was failing miserably. And even my marriage, I felt like I was failing, you know, because at the end of the day, it was just like, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. And of course there's pressure outside, you know, there's pressure to, you know, be a mom, be a doctor, balance it all together. And I wasn't balancing it or anything at all. And I remember sitting down in my hallway and just crying to the point where I felt like I couldn't even breathe because I guess maybe I'm weak, but I just didn't know how to handle it. And I did it, and I felt like I, in a way, was just useless. Um, And I know people are probably like, wow, Talia, that's a lot. But when you. When you live your life with so many expectations and when you're not able to fill those expectations, sorry, it just kind of gets you. Um, and I guess I'm getting emotional because a lot of times I put all this stuff behind me because you know, you can smile through it, but kind of facing it head on, is kind of hard. So I'm facing it head on right now. Um, and I also thought it was really interesting because Mia, um, there was like a, a pregnancy pack that we had made <laughs> and it was really beautiful to see how everyone else was like getting pregnant. And I was just there waiting, celebrating, of course, because it's fun, it's beautiful, but just waiting. Um, so after all this, uh, we went back to my OB and she was like, okay, you know, I want to try your on Clomid. Um, and I was like, Okay, let's do it again. So we tried Clomid, that didn't work. Um, We didn't even try the IUIs because I was just like, there's just no point. And then we went with a fertility specialist and they told us that we had a less than 1% chance of having babies. And I think that's why I, that's why when I hear the song, uh, the Million Little Miracles it is different because my kids are 100% a miracle and um, I wouldn't take the process in which we took to get there for granted. Um, I wouldn't take the friendships that I built along the way for granted. and I um, And I wouldn't take the sovereignty of God for granted.
1: How did, how did how did that make you feel? Like, how did that shake things up for you, having a plan and then something like this happening?
2: Yeah, we certainly had a plan for that moment when we decided that we were gonna start trying and we were okay to have a family. Um, we thought in that moment, if we had a if we got pregnant, it would be perfect. Yeah. And um, it was, like, it, it seemed God sent, kind of. Like, when we put in all the stuff in the apps and stuff, it was like, oh, your baby is gonna be born between, like, April 30th and May 5th. And I was like, oh. Definitely this baby's meant to be here because my late grandmother's birthday is April 30th and my mom's birthday is um, May 4th. Yeah, she's gonna be really upset that I didn't remember if her birthday was the 4th or the 5th, but her birthday is May 4th. So I was like, oh, baby's definitely meant to be. May is a wonderful month. My nephew Jackson is born in May. They're gonna celebrate birthdays together. Mm -hmm. I had already talked to my program coordinator and she like coordinated my vacation and it would spill over into the next academic year. So it was just, it was perfect. Um, and when we lost that baby, I was just like, how could everything seem like it was so aligned, like it was meant to be, like it was God sent. And then this baby is like not here with us anymore. It just, it didn't make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, yeah, it was definitely not in the plan, but, um, when we decided we healed and we were okay to try again Mm -hmm. um we did and we got pregnant pretty immediately again which was a blessing because i know it takes time but it was
1: different right? it was different it was different i think um you just kind of explained and uh expressed how excited i was every single day even early on in that pregnancy because i think we lost that pregnancy at about seven weeks and uh i remember not being excited like I wasn't as hopeful because in my head I was like that same thing could happen again Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want to feel like I'm putting uh, you know all my emotions are on my eggs here when like who knows uh, what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. Um, like you had you didn't start a registry this time early on like it felt Like, I almost felt bad, like, later on in the pregnancy, right? Because I felt like, man, we're not giving this baby the attention that we did the last just because we're not being hopeful, like, we're not being faithful kind of thing, you know? Mm. I felt, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I definitely, I felt in the beginning pretty detached like I was still doing the things I needed to do like I'm gonna take my prenatals because I care about your well-being but I don't have this like emotional attachment like I did to the previous pregnancy because if something happened I didn't want to feel that pain again so like I didn't start a registry we didn't tell our parents until we were 12 weeks we didn't really tell anybody that we were pregnant um I didn't buy anything for Luca until she was maybe 25 weeks, I hadn't even bought anything for her. Um, And later on, when I saw my belly grow and I was able to feel her kicks and look at her heartbeat and look at her ultrasounds, I was like, I'm sorry that I apologized to her, even though she wasn't out here. I was like, I'm sorry that I didn't, I wasn't as excited as maybe I should have been, but I was just worried.
1: Yeah. Um, How quickly did you go back to work after the miscarriage? Let's start off with introducing yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: So I'm Jasmine Pendergrass. Um, I am a pediatric um, chief resident. I'm in Texas. Um, originally from North Carolina, um, went to college in North Carolina, uh, med school in South Carolina. Um, I love my family. I come from a really great family. My, my parents did foster here um, since I was the age of seven. So I've had about 50 foster brothers and sisters throughout my life. And so that kind of propelled me into the world of pediatrics. I love working with kids. Um, I am married um, to my husband, Christian. We got married last year um, in 2021. So I guess a little bit over um, a year and some change. Um, and we recently had a baby. Um, and so, so things have um, been really different for us in Texas because we don't have a lot of family here, but I've made a lot of wonderful friends um, coming into the residency program. And so I don't regret my decision being in Texas at all.
1: That's good and congratulations on your baby. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your little girl.
3: Yeah. So her name is Amila. Um, and it means hopeful and brave. And so her her name has a, a really big meaning because we named her two days after she was born because um it was a very, very difficult time for us. You tell me about that. Um so um kind of just give you the the backstory of of how I um Delivered my baby Amila. so she was actually doing February, the end of February, and I actually had her December first. How so many um, weeks? How so many weeks? Yeah, make her. that she was 28 in three days when she was born, um, very premature, and um, she was born at one pound and 14 ounces. Um, and so, being a pediatric physician, when you hear those numbers of how small your baby is, you have a lot of thoughts that go through your head. Um, and so I remember the day vividly because it just plays in my mind all the time. I was on my way to work, um, to go um, work as an attending um, at a hospital that's about 40 minutes from where I stay. Um, and as I was driving to work, I remember just telling myself, something just feels off, right? I mean, I didn't really know what it was. Um, I just remember thinking to myself, I'm not feeling her kick as often as I normally do. And I, I, I talked myself out of it over and over again because we hadn't started kick counts yet. Um, and so that was supposed to be my next appointment in like yeah. five days. Yeah. Um, but you know, you read all the things online and people are saying you're supposed to have your baby kick um, ten times in an hour. And so I'm just like, she has not kicked ten times in an hour. And then I remember the day prior I had had the largest ice cream cone that I had ever had in pregnancy. Um, and she she still didn't kick from that. And I remember reading that, you know, give your baby something sweet. you know, you eat something sweet so your baby kind of becomes active or drink some cold water, lay on your side, do all these things. And I'm just like, she's just not kicking as often. Um, And so still I talked myself out of it because I was reading some some forums and people were saying sometimes babies have lazy days. And so I'm like, maybe it's just a lazy day, right? So um, I convinced myself to still go to work. Um, And as I was walking into the parking lot at the hospital, I stopped, And I had five minutes before my shift and I said, I'm just going to call my OB before I go into the hospital. And I said, I'll be fine with being a few minutes late. I just need some reassurance. So I called my OB and um, they said, let me get back to you. She's with the patient. Just tell us what's going on. And I told her, hey, you know, I'm just not feeling my baby kick as often as she normally does. Um, And she said, okay, um, I'll get back to you. So before I walked into work, I get the phone call. And she says why don't you just come to the assessment center um, and get checked out, make sure everything's okay. And I remember saying, can I do this tomorrow? Because I have patients that I have to see and I don't know who is gonna get called in because it's literally five minutes before my shift. And the nurse said, no, just come on in today. We just need to make sure everything's okay. So I was so stressed about who was going to work for me that day because I had a 10 hour shift ahead of me. Um, And luckily I called one of the attendings who said, don't worry about it. It sounds like you're really worried about what's going on with your baby just go ahead and go, and I'll find somebody to cover for you. And so that really took a little bit of stress off of me that she was able to do that for me. And so I got in my car, drove 40 minutes back towards the assessment center, even stopped along the way to pick my husband up because I was just like, it'll probably be a few minutes. He was just like, I'll be there to support you. Let's just go get it done and figure some things out. So I get to the hospital um, and I remember, this feeling of just something was still not right. Um, and so they laid me down on the the hospital bed. And I remember one of the nurses saying to me, oh, are you a first time mom? And I said, yeah. And so she kind of did like a little chuckle, like I'm sure everything will be just fine. A lot of time, a lot of first time moms are a little worried about this, but it should be fine. Um, and so, She said, let's do a little Doppler, make sure we can hear your baby um, and do a blood pressure check and you should be on your way. So we did the Doppler and I could hear my baby's heartbeat. And I remember thinking, okay, everything is fine, right? Her heartbeat sounds so good. And then she checked my blood pressure and it was 213 over 111. And I was just like, that is insane. It was so high that they decided to get another machine because they thought the machine was broken. Um, And so they got another machine and my blood pressure was going up. It was 215 over 115. And from that moment on, things just changed. She was just like, I'm putting an IV in you. I'm going to go call the attending. We're calling maternal fetal medicine. We're calling the neonatologist. Like, this is crazy. Um, and so I'm looking at my husband. I'm thinking to myself, like, what is going on? Like, I was coming here to just get a Doppler, hoping everything was going to be OK. Um, and the OB came in, who was not my regular OB. She was the OB on call. And she said, you have two choices. No, she said there are two things that will happen today. She said either you will be in the hospital for six weeks until you deliver at 34 because you're only 28 weeks, she said, or you're probably going to have a baby tonight. And I was just like, wait a second, things just went from having a plan to like no plan at all. Um, So um, fast forward to the MFM doctor coming. She was like, let's just go ahead and do an ultrasound, see how things are going. Um, We did the ultrasound and she said, this is not good. She said, your placenta now has reverse flow. There's nothing getting to your baby. She said, your baby is now in the first percentile for weight. And I was just like, what's going on? And my anatomy is skin. My baby was in the 50th percentile. And she said, the little bit of oxygen that your baby is getting, she's using it for her brain. She's no longer growing. And it makes me so emotional because I'm like, my baby was inside of me fighting for her life. And, um, there was this feeling of, um, I was so scared because you hear 28 weeks as a doctor and you're just like, no, keep her in there longer. And she said, um, she will be better outside of you than inside of you. Um, and she said, you have to trust us. And so, um, I had to trust them because I knew that this was going to save my baby's life. Um, and I think about my husband who was just so scared because these were words like he had never heard before. Um, and my pregnancy had been normal up until that point. It was fine, I was a low risk pregnancy. I never had any issues with my blood pressure. Um, during pregnancy, and everything changed all at once. Um, we didn't have anything with us. We didn't have a bag, we didn't have a toothbrush. We had just like come from work. Um, And we're expecting to go home that day. And um, within three hours of coming to the hospital, um, I had an emergency C-section and I had a baby. That was a lot. But that was kind of the story of how things happened. I went from having a plan to um, no plan at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, you touched a little bit on. On your husband and, yeah. and how uh, he was, because like he, you're in medicine and he's not. He's and, not, and it's so wild because I talked to you the morning, um, that morning yeah. before you, uh, you know, you had your baby. And fast forward, I remember being in the hospital and you uh, were in recovery, and the baby was already born, and I was with Christian, and I just remember the look on his face.
3: Yeah, yeah, and um, I I remember texting um, you and yes, I was just like. I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm about to have a baby. And um, I don't know if I ever told you this or told either of you guys this, but thank you for coming to the hospital because, as I mentioned, we we have no family here. And um, once my parents heard the news, they were on the next flight, but it was the next day. Um, and so, like, having people in your circle that were just, like, dropped everything and were just like we're coming to the hospital, we're gonna be there. That meant the world to us, especially for my husband, who you have your baby and you have your wife and you don't know if you can lose both of them in those moments, right? Um, Black women are are dying in childbirth. Um, And so I think my husband was in a very, very scary position. Um, Do you save your wife? To make sure that she's okay, do you save your baby? I think we—I don't even think we even talked about those things yet, um, because that wasn't a part of the plan. So we had not talked about my birthing plan. I hadn't even finished writing it yet.
1: This is wild, yeah. Um, so like we can pivot a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, so I was—I was the I was chief of the program before you were. Yeah. And it's like it's a heavy weight. It really is. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Did you feel like there was an expectation that despite everything going on that you still had a job to do?
3: Oh, yeah. Um, I think that... I remember like even during kind of like this third trimester, right? My third trimester had just started and we were kind of thinking about how my maternity leave would look. Um, And I remember um, in attending telling me, um, you know, when I was pregnant, I worked up until the last week of pregnancy because I wanted to induce myself. That's what she told me. Um, and she said, so it's totally reasonable for you to still work, um, up until you're about to deliver. Like, she's like, it would be great. You'll be walking around and I'm sure like it'll, it'll be something that will be great for you. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, girl, what for who? I'm just like, that doesn't seem like something that interests me. Like what would make me happy is making sure that I'm that I have the, less, the, the least stress as possible, being with my family, um, not being at work, taking care of other people, but actually taking care of myself. And so I just remember her saying that, and I was just like, that is not something that excites me. It's like the opposite. I'm like, that sounds so stressful. And um, um, I just remember thinking to myself, like, she has no idea like, what that meant for someone um, to hear. I'm like, I'm glad that worked out for you, but that just doesn't seem to work out for me. Um, And even the night before I delivered, um, I was working a nine or 10 hour shift, was supposed to get off at 11, um, but I was writing notes. There were a lot of patients I didn't get off till 2 a.m. And so I was already running off a little bit of sleep um, and then I had to go back to the hospital the next day. And I often think if, if the stress of, that work week contributed to me having a higher blood pressure. I don't know. I can kind of run in circles about what happened, um, what I could have done differently if just the stress of my job exacerbated um, my blood pressure.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I've asked this question a lot, like um, because it's something that I'm actively searching for answers for. What do you think that we as a profession could do better to support moms like dads, like Christian
3: Yeah, Um, first I wanna just talk about um, the dad part and and what it means like for someone's partner. Um, My husband is not um, a big talker or a big communicator when it comes to how he feels, but he often said this, that during the times um, when we were going to see our baby in the ICU, they only spoke to me. They only looked at me. Um, A lot of times, when they found out that I was a doctor, they did not explain things in ways that he could understand. I found myself having to explain things to him um, on a more basic level, which is also kind of like a burden because it was just like, I don't wanna be a doctor in this moment. I just wanna be a mom. I wanna be a patient. Um, And I found myself interpreting all the numbers and the vitals and the labs and um, making it easy to digest for my husband because sometimes people just didn't take the time to do that. Um, and he would, go, we would go home, and he would say, "I know I don't understand, but I want them to talk to me too. Like this is my baby too. I want to feel like I'm a part of the decision making process." And he really wasn't because they didn't make him feel that way. And so I just want to remind people, especially healthcare professionals, that um, someone's partner is just as important. Um, dads are just as important. Um, make sure that you're speaking to them as well. Um, And I do wanna take the time to give kudos to those people who would say, after they spoke to me like, dad, do you understand? Or dad, how can I explain this a little bit better so that we're on the same page? I appreciate those people. Um, As for having a baby, um, I I kinda wanna piggyback off what Tolu said that there's just more time. Um, Being a chief resident I actually deal with all of paternity leave. And I think about my residents who get six weeks. You are not ready to come back in six weeks. Um, After having a C-section, you're not healed. You may be in a lot of pain. Um, If you have a premature baby like I did, um, you are not mentally ready to go back to take care of patients. There's just no way. Um, And so... Time is probably the biggest factor. And I feel like as healthcare professionals, we know that it takes time to heal. We know that it takes time to get back to being your best self to take care of patients. Um, and it's to me more important than the training itself because if you're not your best self, how can you be prepared to learn, to grow, and to take care of? of your patients? So we
2: lost that baby on a Wednesday. Um, I called my program coordinator that evening. Um, Didn't go to work Thursday, didn't go to work Friday. What we did, we ended up, it was your idea, it was a really good idea, driving to Dallas just that evening to go be with my family, my sister, Mm -hmm. my parents, my Mm -hmm. nephew, just to get our minds away from being here. Um, So we didn't go to work. And then I had to go back to work that Monday. My program director gave me a call. Um, he gave me his condolences, and but he ended the conversation with, if you need longer than this weekend, you have to have FMLA. You have to go to your OB and get like documentation. So um, he was firm but fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, tried to be empathetic but still like having to enforce the rules because that's just... That's what it was.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it really is. Uh, it's a struggle for me um, how we don't, re- sometimes we don't really support ourselves, you know. Like I think being in this profession sometimes is, uh, it's hard because you're giving so much of yourself. And it seems like it's a requirement, right? But like, how can you give so much when you're on empty? You know, um, it's hard. It's difficult. Yeah. Um, where did you draw support from, you felt like?
2: Um, So I was really open about what happened. Like, while I was in the hospital, I was calling... I called our closest friends um, and they were really empathetic. And I called family and I told my coworkers so they would know what was going on. And everyone was really supportive. Everyone asked me like what I needed, what they could do. Um, and people even opened up about opened up about their past. I had a couple of people tell me that they've had like miscarriages and losses. And that was really helpful to know that I wasn't the only one in the world like going through this because no one talks about it. Um, People talk about the joy of pregnancy, the beauty of pregnancy, the beauty of having a toddler and a baby. They don't talk about the hard times, like the miscarriages Mm -hmm. or the sleepless nights or when your toddler is not listening. But um, I really appreciate all the people that reached out to me. and shared their stories to let me know i wasn't alone um even reaching out to my mom she told me of her experience she was like yeah the same thing happened you know before i had you and i didn't know that because like i guess this was 30 something years ago and she probably didn't even remember um and she never thought to share that she needed to share but i think it's so important to just be open and i know that's hard to say because um you have to do things on your own time too but Mm -hmm. i just felt like it was easier for me to talk about it on a day to day rather than walk around and people not knowing what's wrong cause I'm not like my chipper self because I'm sad right now. Um, and I found people to be really supportive. So I really appreciated the support um, everyone gave me during that time. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, you were chief um, when you were in your program. Uh, And I think just being in those leadership positions, we can make change. We can make a difference in people's lives. What do you think we could be doing better, right? Like we we have to give so much of ourselves to take care of these patients, to save lives, you know, as people say. Um, But a lot of times we're doing that on E. So what do you think we could be doing better?
2: Whoever finds the answer to that is going to be a very rich person, (laughs) but um, there are things there's there there are ways we can improve. Um, Total and Jasmine talked about time, and time is just something you can't get back those experiences that you have with your newborn or during your pregnancy. Um, that's a big one. Um, one thing that people can programs can think about is maybe an at home curriculum for parents, like new moms, new dads. That's
1: practical, Um, yeah. yeah.
2: So, like, you're still working, so you're technically not like not off, but, um, and you can do like modules, you can do like televisits, because after COVID that was a huge thing. So um, being able to uh, work from home while still being able to take care of your baby, take care of yourself, um, that's one way we can implement things. And then another one that's easy and everyone can do um is just extend grace to people Mm. um i did work with an attending um i think it was my first week back um and i think i think i was a little bit late it was like our first time dropping luke off at daycare because your mom was gone my mom was gone it was just us and the baby Mm, and i had to go back to work you had to go back to work and i was like late um it happens um and I think she told me something along the lines of uh, I'm not the first parent or I won't be the only parent and I'm just going to have to figure out life with a baby. And I was like, oh, wow, you're a mom of however many, like you don't understand. You don't remember. I'm sorry that I was late, but I'm just trying to figure it out like everyone else. So just extending grace to people because you don't know what people are going through, what kind of day they're having. Just you just be nice.
1: The Flowers for Algernon podcast is brought to you by your host, Dr. Theodore Uzamere, our amazing videographer and editor, Jeremy Ortiz, and the guy with the ear like none other, our musical director, Femi Ok. We don't have any sponsors yet, but if you're interested, please email us at flowers4pod at gmail.com. Also, follow us on all social media platforms at flowers4pod. And if you haven't heard it before, I'll be the one to say, you are appreciated not only for all you do, but for who you are.